Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Great. Well, thank, thank you very much for your welcome. And yeah, my voice is a bit croaky, and that's the bad news. I don't know, I'm fighting some kind of a bug, so... Uh, well, there's not much I can do about it, so it's just going to sound a little bit different, so just, just bear with me. Uh, the good news is that it's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is the church's birthday, and uh, in the birthday of the church, we, we kind of remember again that actually God is powerful, God has sent us a spirit, and God does amazing things. And, and I guess any Pentecost service should be a celebratory one because it's a birthday one, and it's, it's a reminder that you know the church has been going for 2,000 years, God has never let it down, uh, and the spirit is still alive today. Uh, one, I stop asking you a question. How many of you could lift a car? I mean, do, do you think you could do that? Like if you went out into the parking lot outside there and kind of just picked up one of those cars and thought, you know, someone's parked in, the, in what I consider to be my parking lane, thank you very much. Would you, would you be able to move their car out of it? Uh, I mean, this uh, little uh, photograph coming up there now is apparently a genuine. It's part of a video uh, that was taken of a, a cyclist who was really annoyed when they, he came across this, this car just in the bicycle lane. And I mean, you never mess with cyclists, do you? And uh, so the car was parked there, and this guy just hopped off his bike and sat lying beside there and just picked up the car. And the video clip, you see him kind of uh, just moving it away and dumping it in the road uh, to block the road, but not the cycle lane. Thank you very much. And you kind of say, well, okay, so if you're kind of built like him and he does look like a kind of a tough kind of a guy, uh, then fair enough, maybe you can do something like that. But the reality is that there have been you know, quite a number of cases that have been recorded and completely verified of people who are you know, built much the same as you and I are. In other words, kind of pretty puny people. Uh, I mean, some of you are puny, some of you, some of you are not. Um, but pe- ordinary people who've been able to go and, and actually lift a car, and they've, they've done it because of extreme circumstances. And the most common one has been because there's been a child, usually their child, who's been trapped underneath it. And with that extraordinary adrenaline burst that goes at moments like that, people have sometimes found that they've had astonishing strength, and they've been able to do things that they would normally never have been able to do. And it's a reminder that sometimes strength comes to us at really quite unexpected times, and that sometimes we land up being a lot stronger than we think we might be. But I want you to put yourself back into the position of the disciples, and think about this passage which Nick read to us. It's... It's actually Ascension Day when this passage takes place, Acts chapter 1. In other words, that day when Jesus ascended into heaven, 40 days after the resurrection. And Jesus has been showing himself to be alive to his disciples for a while, but now on this occasion, he says, actually, this is now over. I'm going back to my Father in heaven. You're going to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the world. And, and, and if you're one of those disciples, how do you think you would have felt at that time? I imagine you would have thought, whoa, that's just not me, thank you very much. I mean, let's, let's be clear about this. If you were to be told in the 21st century, you're going to be witnesses for God to the very ends of the earth, that, that doesn't sound quite so surprising. Because if I were to go around the room tonight, many of you have traveled outside of Australia. Some of you have traveled to some really quite exotic countries. Some of you come from some fairly exotic countries. And so, so this idea of traveling is not foreign in the 21st century. But you lived, if you lived in the ancient world where the disciples lived, actually the vast majority of people, in fact for all of human history uh, until the last 100 years, the vast majority of people have never moved beyond a 50-kilometer radius of where they were born. 
In other words, if you were born here, the vast majority of people would never have, have moved further than Mandra on the one end and Lake Jundalup on the other. And their whole life would, would be lived in that, that, that zone. In fact, would probably be lived in even a lesser zone. Now, if you were Jewish, uh, you might have had slightly, generous, slightly more generous parameters. Why? Well, because the Jews were one of those few people who did travel a bit, travel within their own country, and that was because uh, their, their faith required that they went to the temple in Jerusalem three times a year. And so if you were in one of the outlying parts of, 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 of Judea, then you did have to travel through to the temple in Jerusalem, and you had to do that three times a year. So, so you traveled a bit. But nevertheless, it didn't alter the fact that travel in the ancient world was on foot by and large, extremely dangerous, very scary, and just not undertaken by most people. So here you are, you're a group of fishermen, and you're suddenly told you're going to be witnesses for me in not just Jerusalem, fair enough, Jerusalem, Judea, mm, it's getting a bit stretching, Samaria, that's going yet further, and actually to the ends of the world. Seriously, no, that's like that's not going to happen. Thank you very much. And, and, and as you heard Jesus say that, and, and I'm wanting you to imagine what it would have been like on that day. As, as you heard Jesus saying that, I, I guess something of your mind, as, as you see him go up to heaven, you, 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 you perhaps have just this little flashback in your mind. And you, you, you think back to the three years that have just gone, because they would have been the most exciting and the most stretching years in your life. I mean, imagine having been a fisherman with kind of this life that was going nowhere. Jesus catches you up, and for three years, it's just this, this incredible world of activity. And, and you probably start to think of some of the things that had happened. Maybe you think, do you, do you remember that, that time when, when there was that crowd of 5,000 people? And, and Jesus suddenly says to us, feed them. And we say, how are we going to feed them? And we look around, and there's someone who's got five little loaves and two fishes. And Jesus says, that'll be enough. And we think, seriously, seriously, I mean... Is everyone here on a kind of a light and easy diet or something like that? I mean, it's never going to be enough to go around. And yet, as we turn around, it's enough. Everyone gets fed. Or, or do you remember that, 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 that time in Lake Galilee? I mean, we're there, and there's this incredible storm, and we're just about to sink, and then Jesus just says, peace, be still, peace, be still. I mean, we sang that song about it uh, tonight. 2,000 years later, we still remember it. Peace, be still, and, and everything calms down, and everything's fine. It was an incredible day. Or, or, or do you remember when Jesus goes across uh, to the area of the, of the Gadarenes and he sees legion, a man filled with a legion of demons, and, and he's clearly out of his mind, and he's so demon-possessed, and he's so, so destructive, and, and Jesus just tells those demons to come out, and they do, and the man is transformed. Or, or, or do you remember the time that was blind Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and Jesus calls him and heals him, and, and Bartimaeus gets his sight back again. I mean, all these things that had happened, your, your mind would be going back there. You'd, you'd just had these incredible three years, and so many things happened. And then, and then that devastating day, those six hours at the cross, Jesus crucified, every single hope completely destroyed. But you wait for the rest of the Friday and the Saturday and comes the Sunday and suddenly you discover that Jesus is resurrected and there's another way of life and there's another surprise. I mean, I mean this life with Jesus is just so extraordinary. It's just nothing as you would have predicted. And, and so you have this reassurance, Jesus has come back again and you think he's going to be with you forever, except on this day, he now says, cheers, goodbye, I'm off to my father. How would you have felt? I mean, I imagine devastated. I imagine, like, overwhelmed. I imagine you would have been sitting there thinking, 
we can't do this on our own. I mean, Jesus, when you were with us, these things could happen. But without you, it's just not going to happen. Now, let me hit a pause button at this point because um, I initially preached this for the morning congregation and the kids were in. And so I was told that I had to do a little bit of a competition or something to make it a bit more interesting for people who had attention spans of three seconds. Uh, so uh, I devised this little competition and I'm sure that you have attention spans of a whole lot longer, but you can have less benefit anyway because there are. There is this competition that has two extraordinary prizes. Prize number one is an apple. Uh, prize number two is a... I will get it, is a Twix bar. And uh, it can be your choice. So, so I need four volunteers, four people. I mean, you, you know, right, we've got some of the back there. Come, uh, you, you come up, I think that's two people, two hands, two others, three. Pete, oh, no, you were there this morning. That, that's cheating. It's just not fair. You know the answer already. I mean, imagine pastoral ethics. I mean, he knows the answer, and he puts his hands up. Oh, this is very distressing. Uh, two, two, two other people, two other people, come, who, who would like, like, like to get it. Who's going to come to... Jack, you're going to come, you're going to come, okay. Jack, okay, and one other person, one other person. Come on, okay, there you, there you go, come on, right, okay. Now, first you have, to, you have to tell me, if you win, Apple or Twix bar? Twix, okay, Apple or Twix? Apple. Okay, very impressive. Yeah, Apple. Apple, okay, fair enough. Okay. Probably a trick. So, okay, good. I'm glad that we have a semi-healthy group here. And uh, no, the question is really very easy. In just a moment, I'll ask you to face the screen. And I'm going to show you a photograph. And that photograph, you have to tell me what movie it makes you think of. So it's a photograph from a movie. And when you see it, just tell me the name of the movie. Whoever gets it first, this enormous prize, an apple or a Twix bar. Now, who do you think is going to win? Okay, well, pressure on you, Lucy, but we shall see, because whoever can name the movie first is the winner. So face the screen, and we will, now that you're facing it, the photograph will come on. Now just shout out the movie. I think that was you, and you were the Twix bar. Oh, what's, that's such a pity, because I don't really want the apple. But there, there you go. So, so who was second? Who was second? Were you an apple? Oh, you and Apple. Okay, there, 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 there you go. Well, please give them the, a healthy round of applause there. Now, that home loan picture, I wanted to show it because I guess during our family holiday this year, we watched the Home Alone series, and we did that because I have no idea why we did, but anyway, we did. Uh, and Lynn, Kevin, Kevin McAllister there, I mean, he's, he's left behind by his family, this large family that he's part of, and they all go off on holiday, but he's left at home alone, left to fend for himself. And initially, he's very alarmed. He actually makes quite a good, good stab at it, so the analogy starts to fall over at that point in time. But, but I want, you, want to suggest that, that, that like when Jesus goes up to heaven, the disciples are left with that kind of home alone feeling. You know, it's been this incredible journey for three years, and the key has been that Jesus has been there. And then suddenly they look up, goodbye, and they look at each other, and we're alone. He's gone. I mean, he's the one that makes the difference. I mean, how are we going to actually do this? How is it going to be mission possible? And, and he's told us to do this absolutely impossible thing. He's, he's told us that, that, that we're going to be witnesses to him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. Is that going to be possible? How is that going to be possible? And, and they would have known the difference that Jesus has made. And, and you know when someone does leave a place, you, you notice their difference? Now, Jet is there at the back, and I think most of you would know that Jet is my son. And uh, 
he got married, 6th of April. I even remember, remember, the, remember the date. And I remember the date because that's the day he moved out of our house. And, uh, and Nick is also my son. And I remember the day he came into our house. That was the 26th of November, 1985. Uh, so from the 26th of November, 1985, until the 6th of April, 2019, we've had kids in our home. And on that day, 34 years of a kid-filled home ended, booms, like that. And we were suddenly empty nesters. I mean, Nick had left a lot earlier, but others were there. And did that make a difference? Did Rosemary and I notice the difference? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, there's so many differences, so many things that you spot straight away. Food lasts so much longer. I mean, without jet, oh, my goodness, food lasts longer. I mean, bread... Bread even goes mouldy, milk goes sour. Uh, things just remain. And the place, uh, I mean, we go out and it comes back. It's in the same condition as when we left it. Uh, true, he still likes to use our bathroom. So he visited us today and still used our ensuite toilet. I don't know why, but at any rate, so there's some things that never quite change. But, but what am I saying? When, when someone is with you, you notice their presence. When they go, you notice it as well. And, and when Jesus left... Just try to remember this just as human beings, how they would have felt. He's been with us. He's given us the confidence to try the impossible. Because he's been there, we felt that we can try things. I don't know if there's anyone who does that for you. I mean, maybe you've got a really good friend or someone that you really care for. And you find that without them, you, you, you don't really have a go. But, but when they're there, you, you do have a go. And you do have confidence. And you do things. Now, now, that's what Jesus had been for the disciples. When he was there, he had said, you know, you can do this. Actually, if you have faith, you, 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 you can perform miracles. Actually, you can help to heal people. You can do so many things. And, and because he was there, they had that confidence. But now he has gone. Now he's gone. Except, except he had said to them, but wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be baptized with the Spirit. And, 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 and life will be transformed. And when that happens, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the world. Now, I want us to think through what that actually means. Because for the disciples, though they didn't quite know what, what Jesus was getting at then, Jesus was heralding that this, in fact, was not going to be home alone. That they were going to have all the power that they needed for the mission impossible task that they had. That actually God was still going to be with them. It's what the prophet Joel had said. I mean, Nick read it to us. Uh, Joel chapter 2, 28, 29. Afterwards, after I've restored uh, Israel... Afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, now Joel was recognizing that in his own era, when the Holy Spirit came upon people, the Spirit sometimes in the Old Testament comes upon someone, a Samson or, or so, someone like that, and when the Spirit came, the Spirit came so that they had the strength to do a very particular task that God had called them to do. But, but something changes on the day of Pentecost. This prophecy of Joel is fulfilled because now the Spirit doesn't come just on, on a person you know, very erratically, not very often, but this person's been asked to do something by God, so the Spirit comes, the person's able to do that task, and then, then the Spirit is gone. No, no, this, Joel says, will be a different day. Now my Spirit will be poured out on all people, be they men, be they women, be they high people, low people, old, young. My Spirit's there for everyone because everyone can live in this close relationship with God. 
knowing that I'm with them always. In fact, that you're never home alone. That, 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 that's what Pentecost is about, that you will never be home alone, that God is always with you, that God lives inside of you through the Spirit. And, and you see the impact of that immediately. I mean, on the day of Pentecost, as the Spirit comes down, uh, the church is born. Peter stands up, and he stands up in front of a crowd of thousands of people. And, and if you remember Peter's story, you might remember that the last time he made a public appearance, he had spoken to a servant girl who asked him a simple question, do you know Jesus? Haven't you been with Jesus? And he has this panic attack because he can't actually speak to one single person. And, and, and yet in the day of Pentecost, he stands up and there are thousands of people in front of him. And he preaches so powerfully that 3,000 people come to faith. And he suddenly says, oh my goodness, Jesus might have gone, but the power is still there to do remarkable things. That, that's Pentecost for you. It's about saying you do have the power to do remarkable things. And actually God is with you always. Now, now you may say, okay, Brian, this sounds like a, a great theory. But if this is the case... Why don't I feel the Spirit inside of me? Why do I sometimes still feel alone? Why don't I feel that I've got all the power to do the things that God calls me to? Because I think that it's true. I think that, that sometimes, even though we are Christians, we don't feel that God has empowered us or has equipped us, and we sometimes feel terribly alone. I think Paul saw that happening to the church at times. And so when he writes to the Thessalonians, and in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he gives this instruction. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Or another translation, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject whatever is harmful. What is Paul saying? It's possible that the Spirit lives inside of you, and yet you can quench that. You can push it down. And you can do that by sometimes just allowing yourself to be too busy too busy to actually even notice what God is doing. Sometimes you can do that because uh, you're just not even willing to consider that God might be speaking to you, that God might be challenging you to do something quite different. I mean, it would have been so easy for that little boy with his five loaves and two fishes to say, like, I mean, seriously, my contribution, what can that make us? As if I could make a difference. And, and you could look at your life and you could say, I mean, like, seriously, my life make a difference? My, my life somehow count for God? And you could just rule out the possibility that God could use you. And, and when you do that, you, you quench the Spirit. You, you see, the image of the Spirit in the Bible is of, of, of a flame of fire that comes and burns inside of you. And, and yet, yet, yet Paul is saying, but there's another, there's another something that can work inside of you. It's like this dripping tap. And sometimes it's not a dripping tap. Sometimes it's a deluge of, of just water that pours on it. So there's the fire, but then there's the water that's coming. That's saying, just be busier and busier and busier and busier and more preoccupied. Or just kind of don't even consider the possibility that God can use you. And, and it's quenching the spirit. And, and sometimes we're just so preoccupied with our own agenda. I mean, for those, those early disciples, most of them are fishermen. They've been out of their trade for three years. What a temptation to think, better build up the business again. Boat's not looking the way that it did a few years ago. Nets need mending, thank you very much. It could have been so tempting just to get back into all of that all over again, and, and that would have been just quenching the spirit. And so on this Pentecost Sunday, I think what I'm wanting to say to you is that the promise of the church and the promise of Pentecost is that God never leaves us alone. The disciples watched Jesus going, and they would have thought, oh, my goodness, now this wild ride is over. Jesus says, no, it's just entering a whole new stage. 
It's the stage of the birthing of the church through the coming of the Spirit. You are never going to be alone, and you will have all the power that you need. But it is possible to quench that and to just not expect that or not to listen to that or to just dismiss that. Instead, we should flame and fan into flame everything that God has given to us. We should be listening for what the Spirit is saying to us. We should be expectant. We should be hopeful because God is always at work. And so this Pentecost Sunday, I guess I'm just wanting to say to you, you really are never alone. And God really does give you all the power to do the things that God is going to call you to do. Let's pray. And Lord, forgive us that sometimes we do land up feeling alone because we don't just step outside for a moment, listen for your whispers, sense the Spirit burning inside of us. Help us to be open to what you're wanting to do. Help us to be unafraid. Help us to be bold. Help us to be obedient. Help us not to be so in love with our own agenda that we rule out the possibility that you could be doing something else. Oh, Holy Spirit, come work in us, we pray.